I'm Luke Summerhays, and I love Eternatus. Three thousand years before the events of Pokemon Sword and Shield, the Galar region experienced something called the Darkest Day. Like Ragnarok in Norse myth, the Titanomachy in Greek myth, or the revelations of Christian myth, this was an apocalyptic event in which the land was besieged by giants, and a legendary hero had to stand up to them. Slowly, over the course of the games, Professor's assistant Sonya uncovers more and more about the Darkest Day, resulting in one of my favourite little storytelling tropes, the twist that I absolutely should have seen coming. Like when in Transformers 3 they managed to surprise Biggie by having a car turn out to be, shock horror, a robot in disguise, Pokemon surprised me by having the giants, the hero, and even the darkest day itself turn out to be Pokemon. Eternatus is a poison and dragon type Pokemon from space. Pokemon Shield tells us, it was inside a meteorite that fell 20,000 years ago. There seems to be a connection between this Pokemon and the Dynamax phenomenon. This space element, and the bony carapace and the crest on the head, bring to mind the Alien Queen from the movie Aliens. Eternatus creator, and the art director for Pokemon Sword and Shield, James Turner, has said that the Alien Queen was indeed an inspiration. Eternatus' shape reminds me a lot of a whale skeleton, which makes me think of a creature from Japanese myth. The Bakekujira, literally ghost whale, was an animated whale skeleton which would appear alongside a host of other beasties and bring curses of fire, plague, and pestilence. Of course, Eternatus was stopped in the past by Gala's King Arthur analogues, and this is appropriate too, as Arthur's surname is often given as Pendragon, and his stories often associated with the mythical creatures. In some tellings, Arthur's father, Uther, even saw a dragon-shaped comet, very much like Eternatus. During the events of Pokemon Sword and Shield, we learn that Galar draws its energy from Eternatus. Pokemon Sword tells us, The core on its chest absorbs energy emanating from the lands of the Galar region. This energy is what allows Eternatus to stay active. Chairman Rose, who has been drawing on Eternatus' energy, is concerned because this power source will deplete in 1000 years and he is arrogant enough to think that only he can solve it. So, at the climax of the game, he frees Eternatus, and brings about another darkest day. Leon and the player both battle Eternatus, but it then transforms into its Eternamax form. Pokemon Sword tells us of Eternamax Eternatus. As a result of Rose's meddling, Eternatus absorbed all the energy in the Galar region. It is now in a state of power overload. And Pokemon Shield says, Infinite amounts of energy pour from this Pokemon's enlarged core, warping the surrounding space-time. Eternamax Eternatus is even more apocalyptic. A curled serpent in the sky, swirling like storm clouds, with a hand-like face stretching down to the earth below. It resembles the various many-headed dragons and serpents found in several apocalyptic myths. Orochi from Japanese mythology, 
The seven-headed dragon in the Book of Revelations, which even cast down stars like Eternatus had been doing. And the Ananta Shisha, the king of serpents from Hindu mythology, whose name I probably just butchered, and who is usually depicted in the same coiled, many-headed form as Eternatus. This Eternamax form must be battled in a raid, and until Zacian and Zamazenta arrive, cannot even be attacked. At the end of the epic clash, the player must catch it. At this point, any ball will have a 100% catch rate, and Eternatus returns to its ordinary form. Eternamax Eternatus has the most outrageous stats of any Pokémon ever, so it shouldn't come as too much of a surprise that it can't be used in-game. Eternatus does have two signature moves, Dynamax Cannon and Eterna Beam, and in the latter, the Eternamax form can briefly be seen as part of the animation. Ultimately though, it's much like Zacian and Zama's entering battle. Unable to Dynamax itself, but super powerful against other maxed mons. With deep roots in both mythology and science fiction, along with a cool design and an exciting role in the story and world, Eternatus captures all the things I love about Pokémon. It makes a fitting conclusion to a game which, while definitely flawed, ultimately delivered a Pokémon experience like the one I'd been craving for decades. Music for Luke Loves Pokémon is written by Jonathan Cromey. Artwork for the show is by Katie Groves. If you're enjoying the podcast, and you want to help me be able to keep posting it online, please consider supporting at patreon.com slash lukelovespkmn. Next week's episode will be about Cubfu and Urshifu, and after that we'll have a little break in Thursday episodes until the Crown Tundra releases. And if somehow you're not sick of my voice, check out my other podcast, Matt and Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. It's nothing like this podcast, and not so family-friendly, and it can be found on Twitter at MLSFSPod. Inevitably, we'll be covering the Alien and Aliens films eventually, and for the time being, if you want some whale action, we've got Star Trek IV about to come out. I love Eternatus. And remember, I love you too.